it, it could have been a year or so ago now, maybe a couple. Uh, it was detailing the animals that have been released in the southern part of the United States, pythons and boa constrictors. Uh, people have bought them, brought them in. Some have been exotic animals, and now um, they've had an advancement in Florida. The interesting thing is that their adaptations are astounding some of the researchers because, and I'm not trying to make you nervous, but they're, they're moving northward into areas that, um, that is not their natural habitat. <laughs> um, because originally they were thought to only um, survive in a tropical climate. And coupled with that is, are other adaptations. And, and I'm reading in likeness to that, we now know there are inland, inland sharks. Um, this is bewildering because we, we are now seeing freshwater sharks. Uh, they've migrated through rivers and streams northward. And in both cases, the python, the shark... Um, these creatures are noted in, in both land and, and, and water to be superior in nature. Um, and now they're living in unpredictable places, which even makes them greater than that. And they're moving into areas in which scientists thought were, were nature's natural barriers. But both cold weather and fresh water is now not the deterrent and some of them from a report um, they, they, they are now adapting and in one report in a scientist he wrote in 2017 these are superior serpents <laughs> and I read Exodus chapter 7 and the Lord said unto Moses see I have made thee a god to Pharaoh Aaron, thy brother, shall be thy prophet. Thou shalt speak all that I command. Aaron will speak. That he send the children of Israel out of his hand. I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs, my wonders in that land. But Pharaoh, he won't listen to you. And so I'll lay my hand on Egypt. I'll bring my armies forth. Now these are these are the armies of the Lord. You, they're not armies like you think. They're pestilence and darkness and hail. My people, the children of Israel, out of the hand, hand the land of Egypt by great judgments, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch forth mine hand upon Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. And Moses and Aaron did exactly what the Lord commanded them. Moses was 40 and Aaron was 43. Verse 8. The Lord spake unto Moses and said unto Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Well, show me a miracle. Then thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take your rod, cast it before Pharaoh. It will become a serpent. And Moses and Aaron did exactly what the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down the rod before Pharaoh, before all the servants, and Aaron's rod became a serpent. 
Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. It's a very interesting word. They cast down theirs. They became serpents. But Aaron's rod, his serpent, swallowed up the other serpents. His serpent, that was a superior serpent. (laughs) And the Holy Ghost has been speaking to me for some time. And this is the word of the Lord. Now, I don't know who you are, where you're at, what you're thinking or what you're going through. But the Lord knows exactly who you are and where you are and what you're going through. And he has prepared a word for your life for you. So all you have to do is receive it and walk in it. And I would even submit rejoice in it because the Lord knows exactly what's going on with you. You're not alone. You're not empty. You're not going down. And the Lord spoke to me today and said, tell the people you're not going to die. You're going to live. You feel like you might die, but you're not going to die. You don't have it yet. But just for a moment, I want you to lift up your voices and your hands and your hearts to God. And just say, Lord, whatever you have for me, I receive it. I receive it. I receive it in the name of Jesus. Now, with a loud voice, we're going to shout out to God with a loud voice. And something is going to happen in the life of someone here. You might say, well, it's not for me. That's okay. With a loud voice of praise, it's going to break something in this house. And something has to be broken now. Wherever you are, open up your mouth. rebuke human logic and the analytical mind and if you're bound and you don't know you're bound I can't help you but in ancient days when they did not have a weapon and did not have an arrow a sword or a spear they could surround an animal and they could put him to death by a loud voice and the fear of the sound could overcome the beast that they were trying to kill 
you still have the power. You may not have the physical power, and you may not have the know-how know-how power, but if you can at least release your voice, we're going to defeat something in this house with our voices today. In the name of Jesus, we cry out, Abba Father, we cry out, Holy is the Lamb. We cry out, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Just be seated for a moment and clap your hands unto the Lord when you get there. Here's the word, Deuteronomy 4. For our God is a consuming fire. For the Lord, your God, is a consuming fire. Now I'll help you with the second part, even a jealous God. And that term is not the term you would use to covet or to try to take what does not belong to you. But in that term, it has the connotation of a God who maintains his rights. He's not going to share his glory. He retains all the rights of the deity in which he is. He said in Isaiah, is there a God beside me? I know not any. Behold, there is no other God, a just God and a savior. He retains the rights. Our God is a consuming fire all by himself. No one else is a consuming fire. No spiritual or physical or human entity is a consuming fire. No government or politician or powerful man or woman, no magistrate, no business person is a consuming fire. But our God is a consuming fire. And you should say it like this. My God is a consuming fire. He puts things into place. He sets the world in order. He takes things away. He sits on a thousand hills and he commands the wind. He delivers the righteous. He's never lost a battle. He's never been late and he's an ever-present help in trouble. Our God is a consuming fire. He brings into existence what was not, and when he removes you from your battle, he can make it as if that battle never existed in the first place. He can remove the evidence of your struggle. Four Hebrew boys were thrown into a fiery furnace. The heat killed the men who made the fire and stoked the fire and heated the fire. But when the princes and the governors and the captains and the king's counselors saw those young men. Here, let me quote it for you. Daniel chapter 3. The fire had no power. Nor was an hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire passed upon them. Because when they came out of the fire, there was no evidence that they had ever been in the fire. Because when God brings you out, he can remove even the evidence of the struggle that you were in in the first place. I'm standing here to proclaim the mighty God in Christ. He's a God that's going to bring you out. And when he brings you out, you are going to remember, but you'll have no evidence that you were ever in in the first place. 
Yes! Abraham believed in a God which calleth those things which be not as though they were. And Daniel wrote of a God which removed what was as if it never were. Because your God is a consuming fire. He is never caught off guard. The Lord's never surprised about what you're facing. His plan is his thought. Men have plans. God has a thought. And a thought is what he is. He is his thought. He is the Logos. And he knew before you came to your trouble how to get you out of your trouble. God said this. Are you ready? Are you ready? God said this. Because the church has missed it. We believe that the enemy is more powerful than he actually is. God said, behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire. I created that man who's making these things. I created him that brings forth an instrument for his work. What kind of instrument? What kind of weapon? I created the waster and to, and to, destroy, to destroy. I created that man. I created that thing. We forget verse 16. We love verse 17. God knew how to rescue from the device set against you because he made the one who made the device. Your God is a consuming fire. What does the next verse say? No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. He made the person who made the weapon. Every tongue shall rise against the injunction. I'm going to condemn. This is the heritage of the servant of the servant of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. He knew the weapon formed against you because he made a way for you and he made the one that made the weapon. He was not surprised when you got in trouble. He was not surprised when you were low and down. He was not surprised when you went through your problem. In fact, he made the one who made the device. And if he did that, he can get you out of the problem because he has all the power. Our God is a consuming fire. He knew the day that you would have your trouble. He knew the day that you would struggle. But he he allowed you to go through it because he loves to save. He loves to restore. He wants to bring you through it, not leave you in it. He'll make a way. You're not going to die. You're not going down. He'll make a way. A couple of you are trapped. You're trapped, and you might have made the trap, or someone else made it for you, but you're trapped. But you're going to get out. You're coming out. You're coming out. i got to speak against things today, and i got to speak for some things today. You're going to come out. You're not going down. You're not leaving. You're not done. You might have fallen down a lot, but you're going to get back up. Come on, you're getting back up. You're okay. God's going to help you. The church is still alive. The Holy Ghost is still real. There's miracles still in the house. There's redemption and the blood is still present. You're not going down. You're not wasted. God's going to bring you back. I thought that my temptation would be the ruin of me. I thought I was alone in this struggle. I thought, oh man, I'm a preacher, but like Paul, I have to bring my body under subjection lest after I preach, I myself might be a castaway. I struggle with my own flesh and my own mind and my own spirit and my own disposition until I read, I'm not going down. Here's your Bible. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God who is faithful, he, the, the fire has no power. 
who will not suffer you to be tempted above you are able. But with every temptation also, he has made a way of escape for you. Before you got in, he developed the trap door. Now don't compare him to me. Don't compare him to your best friend or the one you think is most loyal. No one comes close to him. God is not a man that he should lie. He's not a, he's not a God like a man, like, he's not a man that, that says he's sorry he made a mistake. Hath he said it, shall he not do it? The answer is in the question. Hath he spoken? Shall he not make it good? Well, it's the, it's the responsibility of the church to answer the question. Hath he said it? Shall he not do it? Has the Lord ever failed in your time of need? Has he ever made a mistake? Has he ever not not come through? Shall he not make it good? He's going to make it good. If you don't have faith to believe it for yourself, just hear me and believe me today. He's going to make it good. He's going to make it right. And no matter what you're facing today, I just feel led of the Holy Ghost to say, he is superior in every way. The Lord is superior in every way. He is the embodiment of power. He is the quintessence of wonder. He is the paragon of strength. Our God is everything. His name is worth speaking. The knowledge of his oneness causes the devils to tremble. James said that the devils believe that there is one God. And they tremble at the thought. Because no weapon... And no tongue, in fact, every tongue and every weapon. The weapon must be a spiritual thing, and the tongue must be a human thing. But none of them are going to prevail against you. All you have to do is get in Christ and him in you. And I stand to say, your God is a consuming fire. He'll just erase and wipe out everything that you had heretofore. Our God is a consuming fire. He is the superior In context of our text, these are the early moments of the leadership skills, maybe deficits of Moses. He's very uncertain of himself. Aaron begins with Moses in the early days, but in time, Aaron will drop off and Moses will assume a more confident disposition. God has told those two men of Pharaoh's responses They are also aware of the power of God manifested through the rod. They were aware of that already. The serpent has already appeared prior to their meeting with this king of Egypt. They were afraid of it at first. The first wonders of God are unsettling for people. But to showcase God's wonder... They are instructed to throw the rod down and it will become a serpent. And now they present themselves before Pharaoh and the challenge is before him. And then those standing in attention 
in whatever forum that they convene. And for the sake of authority, everyone say authority, Pharaoh needs a counter because the enemy really wants to establish an authority. If he can counter God's wonder and God's awesome power, then at least in his mind, it will limit Moses and Aaron and reduce God to his own authority. And to that, Pharaoh calls on his magicians, which deal in wickedness and witchcraft and sorcery, and they will do something very similar that Aaron and Moses have done. Now, there are two schools of thought. This has been a raging and running debate for hundreds of years, sitting in an old um, uh, bookstore in Leon C. A few years ago, it was a it was a basement bookstore about uh, an hour and a half, two hours outside of London in Leon C. Flipping through these 400-year-old books that were written before um, the convention of America. Scholars in Europe were arguing these points. And they were arguing about the two schools of thought of the magicians of Pharaoh. And longer still, Hebrew men have taken sides, one of the naturalist and the other of the supernaturalist. And on one side, they argued in the naturalist that the magicians used a sleight of hand, that only God could turn a stick into a snake or a serpent. So maybe, maybe they say it was a quick motion, a rod taken from beneath the cloak or coat, and then suddenly they switched the rod with a serpent and threw it on the ground. They said it was a man-made device and that the, that the magicians did this in a man-made way and, and they would interpret enchantments by the means of crafty uh, hand gestures. And there are man-made devices and these, uh, these ideas are true in some circles that there are things against the people of God in the natural I know what Paul was talking about when he said that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But he was, he was not telling us that physical issues uh, were not present. In fact, Paul was stoned and he was left for dead. He said, I was in danger in the field and the wilderness and from my own countrymen. I was in danger of false brethren. People I thought that loved me and loved the doctrine and, and believed in God, but they were false. These were people. Devices, some physical, some words of disdain, some accusations. And I would just tell you today, just to be real and have some reality for you, there are people that are used of the enemy, but there are also people that are just hateful. And they are men and women, and they, these, they, they create things. They are tools and devices to bring you down and to conflict you. And if those magicians used a trick, some scheme, or ploy, or maneuver, then there are many of them. We do not know how many, but there were many magicians there. And I do not know if it was human deceit that day that Moses and Aaron stood before Pharaoh and his magicians, but I do know that human deceit is real and human issues are real. 
And I do know that there is a struggle in the real world. And I do not know that not everybody's going to love you. And not everyone's going to pat you on the back. And not everyone's going to going to encourage you. And some are going to discourage you. And some are going to bemoan your efforts. And some are going to belittle you. And some are going to, they're going to, they're going to puff you up a little bit just to, just to poke a hole in you and see you fall. Some are going to wait around to see how long you'll last. There are real things that fight against your life. However, even if it was a sleight of hand, Aaron's serpent swallowed up all the devices of the enemy because no weapon formed against you was going to prosper. And I know that there are people against you, but our God is a consuming fire. I got a little passion in me today. and I, It's hard for me just to stand still because I'm a little frustrated because the church has been battling a whole bunch of stuff. But we're going to rise up and we're going to get past it because our God is about to consume all the things that are conflicting us. We have kingdom work to do here. We've got people problems. And we've got family problems, and we've got money problems, and we have if, uh, uh, health issues. There are work issues and things. There's a couple different kind of marriage problems. One person said to her pastor that she wanted to be included in the marriage, marriage trouble uh, prayer request. And he said, well, I don't understand. You're not married. She said, that's right. Nobody will. Well, <laughs> I got trouble finding a husband. Well, all right. There are things in the natural. There are things in the natural. It might be provoked by the devil, but there are things in the natural. The devil did not create them and the Lord did not sanction them. And some of those things that you're going through are never going to be solved, but you'll just have to manage them. My admonition to you, I hope you're here this now. Don't allow the issues in the natural of your past or the problem of your present keep you from worship. Don't let the natural, if you're a naturalist, and you think that those sorcerers just used a sleight of hand and that was just a trick. You got to know this. He is a superior serpent and he can swallow that up too. Nobody is bigger than God. No problem is bigger than God. When he removes it, he'll remove all the traces of it. Nobody's bigger than God. No problem is bigger than God. Your God is a consuming fire. And if there is a design set against you in the natural, and if the naturalists were right, and it was just some trick, then the result is always to keep you from God and keep you from the church, keep you out of your Bible. Because <laughs> if this is the only place you ever read the scripture or hear it, you're anemic. Go ahead and do that with your natural food. You'll die or you'll be very sick. If you only eat natural food on Sundays and you never come to Wednesdays, that means you're only getting one meal a day and I may not be serving a good lunch. 
That's right. And the natural can, it, it, it can devour your time so that you lose time with God. God didn't sanction it. The devil didn't create it. You just got yourself in that own, your own mess. And still you shrug your shoulders and said, I just don't have time. You mean you don't have time to feed yourself? You got to feed yourself. You got to get up and open up the Bible. If you don't have any time, read one verse in the Bible. Read one. Now, I would submit it should be a good verse. I, I wouldn't suggest, you know, Judas ran out, hung himself, fell headlong, and his bowels gushed out. But if that's all you got, then I suppose it'll just be a warning don't betray the Lord. If you don't have time to read the scripture, but you just open your Bible to, I think it's John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. That was a quick one. But it's powerful. It might remind you he wasn't weeping because Lazarus was dead. He was weeping because they realized they didn't even know who he was. They didn't understand who he was. He was crying because he understood. They got a limited view of me. They only thought I was a healer. They did not know I was the resurrection and the life. But I'm about to show them. I stayed away just to show you I'm greater than you think I am. When you walk away from Jesus, you got to walk away and say, My God is greater than everything I thought he was. I cannot put him in a box. He's more than a healer. He can take what's dead and bring it back. And you can get yourself so overcommitted and so engrossed in all kinds of stuff and things that you don't have time for God. He did not sanction that and the devil did not create it. But that's a serpent that needs to be swallowed up. And we're going to do that. Because we got to open up our Bibles and start reading some scripture. And we got to get a little food in us on Tuesday morning, on Thursday afternoon, on Friday morning. And we can't wait to come to church and say, well, pastor, I hope you have a good word for me. Because I've been weak all, all, all every day. I've been struggling all week long. No, you're not going to struggle all week long because you're going to be already filled with the word. You're going you're to have a little time with God on Monday and Tuesday. In fact, I submit that tomorrow you just set aside some time and say I am not going to let that device you got a device and that device is swallowing up your time you can put that device in your pocket or your purse but it's eating up your time God did not sanction it and the devil didn't create it but we did reading the natural endorphins that are released in your brain. Uh, some of those endorphins, uh, those are the natural ones. We tried to mirror them with, with uh, painkiller. People can get hooked on painkillers and other forms of over-the-counter medication. It numbs the brain so that you don't feel the pain. It, it takes a, a measurement of alcohol to do something similar Inebriation does something similar. It takes a little bit longer to do that. The new, the new strands of marijuana are not the marijuana of 1963. 
they're, they're, they're up to four times more powerful. And in some cases, in different places, they're ten times more powerful. They're not just gateway drugs now that lead to other things. They are the drug. And, 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 and we would regularly stand against that, even though that people use it to numb thoughts and ideas and bodies and, and minds. But the flipping of the phone, and as I'm reading what TikTok has done, it has produced the same natural endorphins released in the brain until finally you're numb. And the other websites, which I can't call them out. If I did, they probably would be old news. Uh, and, but those release the same numbness until finally we're just numb. And not everybody's using those websites, but we all have a device. And yeah, it could be used for good. It can be. It could be used for bad. The problem is, if you don't have this in order, that's really out of order. Because this is the filter for what you type on this. If you don't have this in your heart, junk is going to come out of your mouth on this. We made this. He spoke that. Tell me which one's better. And if you're always on this and you're never in that, then everything I'm preaching makes no sense because you're already numb to everything. You got to get alive. It's time for us to set aside the devices and the devil did not make them. We made them. I got about 60% right there. And there are voices, of course. And there are people who would attempt to discourage you. There are things said from without to show you how good of a life they have. And they throw that down. I've got it good too. They say as they throw their rod down. I don't need God to have a good life. So they throw down their level of contentment. And peace. And security. And they'll tell you. They're making a good living. And they don't need the Lord or the church. They're throwing down their natural world. Trying to discourage you from your commitment to a spiritual God and a holy God. They're telling you about freedom. And that you're bound because of your holiness. They're free, but you're the one that's bound. And they'll show you how free they are. And they throw down their rod and it becomes a serpent. And if you're not spiritually aware, you'll buy into that mess and you'll think, well, maybe I am bound. Well, maybe they are right. Look how good they have it. I just want to stand up and tell you, that's a lie. They're living in a season. 
And all seasons come to an end. Even Moses knew it, and he did not want to enjoy the pleasures of sin, here's the Bible, for a season. Because he knew the season is going to run out, it's going to come to an end. On the surface, they look like they're just having a wonderful time. But the day is coming, and their season will end, and you're still going to be standing because you've been set apart. And for those who fight against you and use their words and actions against you, every tongue that shall rise against thee, you will condemn. Now, you're not going to condemn them by your own words, but by your lifestyle. Yes. All their devices, ladies and gentlemen, are coming down. They cannot stop what God began. No one can stop what God began. As the wise men said in the New Testament, if it's not of God, it will come to an end. We've seen that happen before, he said. But if it be of God, don't fight against that, lest ye fight against God. The enemy can present artificial, artificial things to thwart the power of the Holy Ghost, but he cannot stop it unless you succumb to fear. And fear immobilizes the body. But there is no fear in love. And the God of our life and the God of your life, the God of this church is the God of love. And love conquers all fear. It conquers doubt, anxieties, and depression. Love conquers all of that. And in this house, we're preaching on a platform of love. God loves you. The church loves you. We love you. You love us. We're all together in this whole cauldron of love. Because our God is a consuming fire. And when you have trouble and you cannot fight the battle, he hides you. Because sometimes you're not even ready for the battle. Sometimes I don't have the strength for the battle. I know there's a battle in front of me. I know I've got something to do. I know there's some physical things I've got to take care of. But I don't know if I have the strength to do it. I'm in trouble. Anybody ever been in trouble? Anybody ever got themselves in trouble? Raise your hand if you ever got yourself in trouble. Raise your hand if you're sitting next to trouble. Raise your hand if you're in trouble right now for raising your hand the the second time. Because you can't fight all your battles. Hear me, ladies and gentlemen. You are not equipped to fight everything that's going to face you. You're not equipped to face every trouble that comes your way. Don't think you can do it all. You cannot do it all. Here's the word. Psalm 27. For in the time of trouble, he's not going to let me fight the battle. He'll just hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle. He'll hide me. I know they wanted trouble, but the Lord... He just removed me from it. Just listen, I'll read. The king of Syria wanted to make a war against Israel. He got all of his people together. He said, what do we do? And they said, well, Israel's going to be walking through this area. They're going to be camping in this area. But the problem was the man of God went to the king of Israel and said, listen, don't go to that area because the Syrians are coming down and they want to have a war with you. And so... The king of Israel said to the, to the army, don't go there. But the king of Syria, he got all of his men together. They went down to make war against Israel, but Israel didn't show up. And they went again, and Israel didn't show up. And they went again, and Israel didn't show up. And finally, he went back to all of his men and said, listen, who's a traitor? Someone's, someone's, 
Someone's telling our business. Every time we go to battle, they don't even show up for the battle. We're, we got all the armor, but they're not showing up. And one of the servants probably on the back row raised his hand and said, nobody, oh, oh, king of Syria, but that prophet, the Lord tells the prophet everything that we're about to do so that they don't show up for battle because sometimes you are not equipped to fight the battle, so he'll just remove you from it and hide you a little bit. There's no need for the battle. He'll just hide you in the secret of his tabernacle. Now, let me just break that down for us right now. In in a very small way and probably a very physical way, uh, you're in the tabernacle right now. (laughs) Now, I know you're the temple of the Holy Ghost uh, and the Holy Ghost is inside of you, but you're in the tabernacle. It's a good thing that you're in the tabernacle. It's a good thing that you bring your sons, your daughters, and yourself to the tabernacle. Here's why it's good. Because you are not omnipresent. You can't be out there and in here at the same time. So if you're in here, even if your brain's not working and your emotions are not in and you're not really into it, at least your body is in this place. And, and so far, you can't remove your body and put it into another place. So I would just say you get in the church and you stay in the church and you keep coming to church and you keep walking into the tabernacle and keep praising God. And maybe one of these days something will get a hold of you and something will change your mind. And not only is your body in the tabernacle, but your mind is in the tabernacle. But it could be that those men did have power and it was the power of the devil. It could be in the spiritualist realm that those magicians might have been tapping into the supernatural world of some dark, majestic spirit. Satan, the Bible says, will present himself as an angel of light, so he's not without devices in the spiritual world, though they are born of deception. So perhaps it was some sorcery that enabled those rods to become serpents. The dark spirit world is against every born-again believer. This is not new to many of us, but it has intensified. And I'll say it for those who are new believers in this house. If you're doing the work of the kingdom and faithful to God, worshiping the Lord, the enemy is going to fight you. There's going to be a fight for your soul. The spirit world is after you. If you're loving, the God, loving God and seeking the kingdom with all your heart, there will be a spiritual fight in your life. But if you're not seeking the kingdom of God, the devil won't mess with you because he already has you. So if you're doing something right, there will be a fight. Because <laughs> he's after those who are seeking the kingdom and seeking his righteousness. There is going to be a spiritual battle. There is a spiritual battle. Some of the things that you're going through right now is a spiritual battle. I even believe that some sicknesses are the result of a spiritual battle. We'll argue later. I'll be hiding though when you start your argument. But I will tell you that even if it is the devil, and even if those rods did become serpents, not by trickery but by sorcery, Our God is a superior serpent. He is a consuming fire. And Aaron's serpent swallowed up all of their serpents. 
If it was by magic or darkness or the devil, the rod of Aaron and of Moses swallowed them up. One serpent consumed the other serpents because your God is a superior serpent. Now, listen, I grew, I grew up in this, so I, I know the feeling here. I, I already, I knew this feeling was going to come. I myself had the feeling, so I know that's why it's natural. Because we're unsettled to think of God as a serpent. <laughs> because we don't like that. We don't want him to be the serpent. In fact, we're going to quote the scripture from Luke 10. Behold, Jesus said, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. <laughs> we get, got a little issue here. We got an issue because it was the serpent that deceived Eve. In fact, she said, he beguiled me. She said, in fact, these words, the serpent beguiled me. So we've always equated the serpent to the devil. That Lucifer is the serpent. And then when Jesus came and said, I'm giving you power to tread on serpent scorpions. We've reserved that animal likeness for the devil. But I just want you to know, the devil has no place. God has given him no room. He wants to recover all the images and he has. Because he is the superior serpent. Yeah, the devil is a serpent, but our God consumes him. The Lord gives no image or likeness to the devil of anything that he's created. We're walking around saying, well, yo, well, what did Peter wrote? He said in these words, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The devil is a roaring lion. But God is not going to let the devil have the image of the lion either. Read in Revelations 5 and 5. And the elder saith unto me, John the Revelator, weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the, 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 the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. He is the lion. He is the lamb. He is the superior, superior servant. He's the I am. He's not given the devil any room and he has commissioned us in the word give no place to the devil he's not greater than the devices of the enemy or the natural he's not a roaring lion that consume you because he is God is the lion of Judah shout it out from your voice shout it out from your spirit yes Lord Come on now, right now with your voice. Shout it out. Yes, Lord. I receive it. I rejoice in it. It's true. It's right. You're holy. Just give me a couple moments here. We've come out of the time period of, of the world shutdown. But the spirit of the age, though it was present, it, it's now revealed itself in a different way. 
there is a, a heaviness. And I've, I've tried to put into many different words. I've written many down, but none encapsulate the totality of it. But there is a, a limiting spirit. That now suddenly you are limited. And, and, and freedom, whether written or, or, or perceived, is, is limited. And, and the freedom of the body of Jesus Christ, there's a, around even our country, there's a limitation. And so the product of that is that faith, that something shall be, is... is uh, it's founded on tough soil. It's, it's rough. It's a, people are struggling with faith. They believe in God. They just, they're concerned about what's next. And if God is, uh, is going to prevail, may not say it out of our mouth, but we, there's, this, there's a prevailing spirit. It's limiting and in prayer, study and asking the Lord, He didn't give me all of it, but but there's something to do with authority. It has to do with authority. Who who is the authority? If if the world can do and the governments can do what they're doing, it it almost looks like they've got as much power as God has. And here are the people of God. Presenting, we're here to go get the lost and the sinner and the bound. Let the people go. We are the rod of Aaron. And and we are the voice of Moses. And we are the children of Abraham. And we've been grafted into something. And our, our whole goal, if you didn't know this, your whole job in life is to go reach people. It's not for you to make money. It's not for you just to have a nice little home and have a retirement. That's not not it. You were called to be a witness. And if you're not a witness, you're not doing your job. All right. So we're struggling with this because we ought to be reaching people that are lost and they're bound. They, They need to be set free. They are enslaved by the world. But the problem has to do with authority because it looks like Our side doesn't have the authority. Or at least it's kind of equal now. And they can do their thing and the devil can do their thing and governments can do their thing and we're trying to do our thing and now we know how to function as long as we go to church. And there's a whole bunch of people that go to church every Sunday but they look one way but they don't live like that. They, they, they know how to clap and shout a little bit but on on the weekdays they're not... They're not, they're not shouting and clapping. And misery and uncertainty and fear and, and, and the devices of the enemy. And I just want to stand up and tell you that your God is as powerful in the weekday as he is when you're feeling this power on the Sunday. I had enough of people planting bad seeds in my mind by saying things to me that whether they were true or untrue, they were planting some bad seeds. 
They were planting some bad seeds. I, I think I should stand up here and plant some good seeds in your mind. You're not going to die. You're not going down. You're not over. You're not through. The Lord's not done with you yet. You have power and authority. I rebuke the enemy today. He is a liar. He's a father of lies. He is a snake and a serpent, but he's not the superior serpent. He's a lion, but he's not the lion of Judah, and he will be devoured. I'm going to read for you. Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow, under the shadow of the Almighty. This denotes a wing. In, 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 a, in, a, in a, a thorough reading, I suppose, not that we don't have it, but ancient folks have been reading this for decades, uh, centuries. You'll abide under the shadow, not in. It's, it's, it's a protection. I will say of the Lord, not to him, I'm not speaking to him, which now denotes that this is the testimony of people. I will say of him, my friend, my neighbor, he is my refuge, my fortress. (laughs) I mean, when I can get in there. Now, another word for that could also be related to sanctuary. A sanctuary is a, is a place where you find refuge. And, 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 and it's a place that's owned by the king. And the king has a central place where people come and hide. It's his kingdom. But we know through even middle, medieval times that if the king owns a piece of property in another country, if he owns that, that also is just exactly like the kingdom in which he lives. And you can find sanctuary there. In fact, God established that with Moses when he instituted six cities of refuge. That if you were in trouble and you were accused falsely or you just needed to be able to tell your side but nobody was listening. If you could just get to one of the six cities of refuge. Nobody would touch you there. You'd be treated fairly there. You'd have your day in court there. You wouldn't be killed or punished there. You'd have a little bit of an opportunity. He's my refuge. In God, I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust his truth. I'm reading this for your soul. I'm planting some seeds in your soul today. Because some of you hear a lot of other things that's corrupting your soul. You're listening to a lot of things that's distorting your life. You're even listening to yourself. 
And no one can discourage you like you. And you'll get into your mind, nobody loves me, I'm of no account, I'm no good, where am I? And you'll speak to yourself in ways that demoralize you. You'll take a little something and you'll make it a big something. You'll look around and say, well, I don't know if I belong. You said that. That's a lie too. Stop talking to yourself in bad ways and in wicked ways. You need to go around like David sometimes and encourage yourself in the Lord. Not because of what you've done. You encourage yourself by recalling what God did through you. See, when he encouraged himself, he wasn't saying, David, you're a good man. No, he was saying, remember what the Lord did through you. Remember the battles that you fought. Remember the, ni- remember the nights and the days and the times you wept before the Lord. You cried, you danced, and you had great victory. Remember when God provided for you, when there was no way out, he, ga- he gave you a way out. Remember all of that stuff. You got to talk to yourself the right way. Singing to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Don't wait for the praise team to start singing to you. You ought to be singing on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday because when you're coming to the house of the Lord, they're just leading you because you have said something to yourself. I'm reading for the sake of your soul. He'll cover you with his feathers and under his wings you can trust his truth, oh man shall be thy shield and buckler. And the armor is going to quench all the fiery darts of the devil. Even the Lord said, I know what you're saying, Satan, but it is written. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night. Read it again. There is terror by night, but you don't have to be afraid of that. There is a struggle, but you don't have to be afraid of that. (laughs) Nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday, a thousand shall fall by thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand. It's not going to hurt you. Because your God is a consuming fire. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. When you leave here, I want you to take him with you. When you walk out, just don't take a sermon or a word or excitement or a song. You take him with you. Wherever you go, you take him with you. And whoever you are that the Lord wanted to speak to you today, I want you to know that God knows exactly where you are, where you are, what you're going through, what's happening to you, and your God is on your side. He didn't leave you. He didn't forsake you. And just because you go through trouble, he just wants you to know you don't have to be afraid of that. It's all going to fall by the wayside and nothing is going to come and harm you. It shall not not come nigh unto thee. He is superior in every way. He's grand in every way. He's wonderful in every way. Through depression and anxiety and darkness and night and the arrows that come by day, he's greater. He's greater. His name is worth saying. His glory is worth celebrating. His majesty is worth bowing to. He is your God.
I know there's been conflict. I know there's been conflict. Even when I don't know the conflict, I know there's been conflict. Even when I know, well, even when I don't know the exact hurt or pain, I know it. I'm sensitive to it. I don't always have the answer for it, but I feel it. I know what it's like. I feel it. All I know to tell you is that your God is, he's on your side and he's not going to let you just waste away. And all you got to do is reach out to him. He, he's a wonderful savior. He's a God of love and mercy and all oh, his mercy and his grace. It just, it just manifold. It just wonderful. And he's a wonderful savior. He's superior to everything you're going through. And no matter what comes your way, he can swallow it up and devour it. I'll just give you my sermon title of many, many years ago, and I won't preach it because I already have preached it. Here's my sermon title. Just because I don't smell like smoke doesn't mean I haven't been through the fire. What? Yeah, I've been through that fire. You just don't know what God did for me when he brought me out. He removed the evidence. I have the memory, but I don't have the smell of it. I've been through the flames, but it didn't singe my garment. And this is how it happened. I lost myself in worship. He healed me, but then I started to worship. I started to worship him. And while I worshiped him, a restoration came. Oh, people, there's a great difference now. Ten come to him with a debilitating disease. A doctor that I know told me all of, all of the medical implications of leprosy. Leprosy destroys from the inside out it it does damage in fact leprosy will make the glands swell up so that the neck on both sides look look like it's just uh, large large tumors leprosy will eat away at some of the nerve endings especially in the extremities so that you could pick up a hot pan and not know atrophy and your feet you could you could hit something and bleed but not even feel the pain leprosy numbs the body until finally there's infection in those areas and then it deteriorates from the inside out leprosy is from the inside out you see on the outside because the skin ultimately becomes a flaky white and the extremities fall away because they've rotten because the blood stops flowing to the hands and the toes and, 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 and the ears will become very stiffened and 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 it looks like large goiters, the leprosy. Ten of those men, they, they're in colonies because, in fact, you, they were not allowed to come within 50 feet of anyone. So not only are they lepers, but they are, they, are, they are abandoned. They have no fellowship with their families. They can't walk into a house. Anyone who even gets close to one has to have ceremonial cleansing and bathing and has to stay without. When Miriam disobeyed God and rebuked her own brother, God cursed her with leprosy and she had to stay without the camp. She was healed, but it took her seven days to come back in. 
it's a disease that goes from the inside out. It takes, it takes the core of your, of your life and it starts to devour it and eat it away. Ten of those lepers come to Jesus and they find him because no one will accept him. And Jesus always touched the leper. And the Bible says he healed them. And then he said, now go show yourself to the priest because there's no more white flake and the, and, the, and the swelling is all gone. But the fingers and the toes and the ears, it, it, it might have been missing, but you're healed. But one returns, and here's your Bible, and he fell down and worshiped the Lord. <laughs> the Lord healed me. But when he healed me, I started to worship. And when they started, when that one started to worship, Jesus said, where are the others? Is there only one? See, what he really wanted was worship. And his statement and his question, it was an indictment. I healed you. Where is your worship? You mean I healed you and that's all you wanted out of me? Isaiah was right about you. You serve me with your lips, but your heart's far from me. I'll feed you, but I really wanted your worship. The feeding was just to get you through this time so that you would do what I really want. <laughs> and when that one leper went back and fell down and worshiped him, then the Lord made a different statement. He said, go thy way. You are whole. There's a difference between being healed and being whole. And suddenly, there's no indication. You don't have to even go to the priest and make your way because the finger is back where it's supposed to be and the toe is back where it's supposed to be. In fact, there's no evidence that you ever had leprosy in the first place. He just consumes and restores. And the difference is that if you've been healed, if you want to be whole... I worship you now. I worship you, oh God. I worship you, almighty Savior. If you want to be whole today, spend your life worshiping him. Spend this moment today worshiping him. He will bring you back to a place you've never been. He'll bring you to a place where the things that you thought were there, they are, they are now no longer missing, but you've recovered everything.